Welcome to The Workforce Solution, a storytelling series by Health Carousel, designed to provide insights and solutions for the healthcare staffing industry today and tomorrow. The Institute of Medicine recently released the Future of Nursing 2020 to 2030 report. It's a comprehensive analysis on the state of the industry and lays out a blueprint for the future of nursing. Joining us again for this expert series episode is Earl Dalton, the Chief Nursing Officer at Health Carousel. He's been a nurse for 25 years and has been leading Health Carousel through staffing challenges for the last five. If you're not familiar, the Future of Nursing Report, commonly referred to as the IOM Report, is over 500 pages long. That's a lot of information to consume in the midst of your already busy schedule. That's where we come in. The clinically-led team at Health Carousel has read through the 503-page report and pulled key takeaways for nursing and healthcare professionals. First, let's learn more about the report itself and why the last report in 2010 was so groundbreaking. The uh, IOM report has has been a great guide for nursing, um, really for uh, over uh, a couple of decades now. But uh, uh, they certainly landed a landmark um, uh, report back in uh, 2010-2011, uh, where they uh, where the uh, IOM through research uh, really did help connect uh, nursing to its future um, in uh, in observable and measurable ways, uh, and what the challenges were going to bring over the next ten years. Uh, and so uh, it was a it was a great sort of navigational beacon for nursing. Uh, it uh, really forced us to look at what levels of formal education nursing was going to need for the future. Uh, it would really force us to look at uh, how we were going to have to execute on care differently um, over what would be uh, you know sort of a crystal ball approach of uh, looking at things over the next ten years. And so uh, one of the things that came out of that, for example, that every nurse would know and understand. Uh, is that uh, upon formal audit of uh, diploma programs, um, the IOM guided us that uh, there wasn't enough in those programs for what a nurse was going to need in terms of formal education uh, over the next 10 years, right? So if you could uh, go back in time to 2011, right, there were lots of diploma nurses. Uh, I was a diploma nurse. This became a very hotly debated topic for nursing over time. Um, but uh, but really, the IOM helped us see uh, that uh, we were going to have to understand things like uh, like you know the concepts of lean and six sigma approach and um, really sort of upping the business acumen and uh, really moving our thought process in nursing uh, from diploma level education uh, up through uh, more um, uh, degree uh, baccalaureate level education uh, so that was one of the big hallmarks out of that and and out of that uh, nursing created a goal for itself where we wanted to see eighty um, percent of nursing achieve a B by the year 2020. Now let's dive into the most recent report. The new Future of Nursing report explores how nurses can work to reduce health disparities and promote equity while keeping costs at bay, utilizing technology, and maintaining patient and family-focused care. Here, Earl offers one of his first takeaways. 
I think what the report has done a nice job of is saying that, uh, you know, for certainly coming up through current times, uh, nursing has amassed its effort to where the effort needed to be. Uh, so in terms of uh, upping people's uh, formal education level, uh, the identification of um, of something larger than uh, than diploma programs and moving into degreed programs and those sorts of things, um, I think uh, that, you know, those things, uh, you know, were, were course corrections for nursing uh, coming through the last decade and uh, were incredibly helpful in, in the current report. Um, I think uh, this current report um, sort of knocks out of the park and, and will reinforce for a lot of CNOs um, efforts that they currently have underway. Uh, and, and what things would those be? So, so those would be things like diversity in the workforce, um, which we already know is such an important topic, right? It just turns out not everybody thinks uh, and looks and acts the same way, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but are we uh, underserving populations within our community uh, because we don't have enough folks who think um, maybe differently uh, than some others, right? And so you need uh, a large uh, amount of diversity in your thought process to serve everyone. Um, and I think, uh, you know, certainly through the advent of, uh, of the social media platforms and that sort of thing, uh, we have deeper insight into what our patients are experiencing more than ever, right? Uh, people are quick to post uh, their perspective, right? It's sort of a hyper-opinionated world. Uh, but uh, but I think the IOM report does a good job of talking about the continued need to stay on that journey. Uh, so, you know, lots of hospitals have doubled down and invested big um, in making sure that they get a more diverse workforce, uh, certainly across its uh, nursing population, uh, hospital-wide, uh, and in key leadership positions, right? So that uh, so there's larger pieces to that. Uh, lots of hospitals, uh, as a second point, are focused on access, right? Even if we just sort of stay there, uh, and that uh, there are uh, underserved populations, right, in, uh, in our communities that uh, that those people uh, just don't have access to care the same way some other groups do. Uh, but if we're really in it for the health of our communities, and that we understand the, uh, even in smaller sections of our communities, if we're underserving them, um, they affect the overall health of every everybody, right? Because we all are in the same ecosystem. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think hospitals more than ever are uh, doing a good job and, and have been for a while around, uh, you know, a, a new construction project on uh, every other street corner, trying to get more presence uh, into all aspects of their city, right? And, uh, and all of that is an attempt uh, to broaden uh, the access to care, uh, right? Where, um, you know, what do you do if somebody only lives on a bus route? Uh, and guess what? You have no um, access to care anywhere on that particular bus route. Uh, and that's really how that person uh, interacts and travels around their community, for example. Um, and so uh, I think hospitals are more savvy to that than ever. Um, I see lots of construction around lots of different parts of cities uh, in, as we go in and out of places uh, where people are trying to broaden footprint um, at the hospital level and, um, and uh, really in an attempt to increase access. Uh, well, this report would, uh, would certainly validate and back up uh, that that's the work we should be doing doing over the next 10 years. Um, and so uh, just on those two points alone, um, I think uh, there's a lot of validation. In 2030, an estimated 73.1 million people, including all baby boomers, will be older than 65 and will need complex care. That's 21% of the U.S. population. That will increase the demand for care while we face a continued shortage of nurses. And the average age of the RN workforce has decreased to just under 44 years. Thanks in part to a large number of RNs belonging to the baby boomer generation, 
estimated at 1.2 million, who have started to retire in huge numbers. What do these numbers tell us about the industry? How will organizations need to adapt? And what exactly should they be paying attention to as different generations move into and through healthcare? You know, we we have talked a lot, and uh, and I don't think it's really new uh, to many uh, that uh, you know that the phenomenon of the silver tsunami is is sweeping across our nation, right? So, uh, lots of tenured healthcare folks, really in a lot of different healthcare pr- uh, professions, but certainly nursing is not immune. Um, are uh, they're uh, they're speeding towards their age of retirement, right? And so uh, that that's allowing a lot of uh, tenured nurses to uh, to get out of the profession uh, and move on to the next phase of their life, right, which they've completely earned. Uh, what that is doing to nursing is a couple of things. Um, it is reducing the workforce overall, uh, because we've got this sort of massive uh, push towards retirement. Uh, but also the folks that are retiring are the most savviest of us, right? Those would be the people who had the most tenure, the most experience. Uh, they've seen all the difficult patients. They've worked with difficult people. They know how to navigate all of that. Um, and so, um you know, it, it's uh, it's been quoted that there's a, you know a new 65 year old in the United States every 19 seconds, um, and so if you think about that and put that into perspective, uh, right, we have this rapid sort of decline of uh, of the baby boomer generation uh, exiting right just out of the math of their age uh, into retirement. Uh, that's moving the Gen Xers uh, into leadership positions in hospitals because um, that we're the next group, right? We're the next oldest group. Um, as these baby boomers uh, sort of math out of uh, of the equation, right in healthcare, uh, what that what that's changing is is that the entry point on the front end of nursing um, is now millennial based mostly, uh, and in fact uh, some Gen Zers, uh, which are even younger than that. And so, uh, if you're not savvy and you're not paying attention to those things, uh, then uh, you, your marketing tactics uh, might still be driven uh, towards a more Gen X, baby boomer um, mentality, right? Uh, and there are lots of characteristics that sort of define those groups, and, and, and I won't bore people with that here. Uh, but if your tactics to, uh, to, uh, to attract people to your organization um, align with, uh, because that's your age group, uh, to things that matter to you, uh, then you're missing it. Uh, right, uh, what matters to a millennial is is incredibly different to what matters to a baby boomer. Right, and it just as though that's not a judgment or a value statement, uh, they're just different. Right, and so um, inviting those folks into uh, the conversation about what will attract them to your hospital is such an important piece. Right, and so um, the IOM report uh, points out that the uh, for the for the first time in decades, uh, the average age of a nurse has moved back to forty four. Um, and that's only going to continue to get younger where uh, where the meat of the bell curve, right? The, the mean of a bell curve uh, is going to move back into uh, possibly the high 30s, right? And get lower than the 40s, in fact. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, this, this will change how uh, hospitals need to think about a couple of different things, right? Uh, their tactics that they're using to uh, replenish their staff, right? At the frontline level, right? Those would be the younger, uh, less experienced folks that they have to cater to. Uh, what are the things that those folks value? value. 
right? Um, Another uh, piece that I see sort of uh, not always in alignment are that a lot of the rules that are in place in an organization uh, are built around uh, really what are the value propositions of a baby boomer uh, and or a Gen Xer, uh, right? And those things uh, are things like the use of cell phones uh, out in front of um, out in front of patients, um, the, the number of tattoos and uh, body piercings and things like that, uh, right? And so, um, so the world is shifting, and and the folks that we want to now do the frontline work uh, are more people that are in that generation. So, um, are you chopping yourself off from great talent uh, because of an appearance piece or because of someone's reliance on a cell phone uh, when really it's uh, it's just different? Right, it's uh, it's not better or worse, and so uh, lots of hospitals are dealing with that. Uh, but uh, but it's something I certainly like to highlight to, to folks. Right, as as we see this uh, younger workforce emerge, uh, are you aligned uh, with rules, uh, regulations, policies, procedures um, that that are attractive to that group? Right, where uh, where they can work cohesively. It would be impossible to exclude the current effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the healthcare industry at large. The Future of Nursing report calls this out, that we need to anticipate the long-term impacts of the pandemic on the nursing workforce. What does the IOM report include about the predictive, long-lasting effects of the pandemic? I think the last year and a half has um, has changed the face of healthcare and healthcare delivery in ways uh, that will be immeasurable over the next uh, even 10 years. Um, and so um, at very large scales, um, we're going to see changes, I think, in uh, in terms of nurse licensure at state levels, uh, right? It's clear that if we have to swing all the nurses over towards the New York area because, uh, you know, because the pandemic's hitting hard over there, uh, having rules that, uh, that fail to allow nurses to practice over there because they don't have a New York state licensure, um, uh, those things are rapidly going away. Uh, so we're seeing the landscape of uh, sort of where the fences are around the country uh, dramatically change. And so uh, uh, what we are seeing is uh, is an, inc- an incredible increase in like um, the nurse compact agreement where if you're licensed in one state by reciprocity, you're then licensed in all the other states that are you know, under that agreement. Um, and more and more states are joining that, um, uh, for example, to, uh, to allow nurses to move around more. And so uh, what we're going to see as those rules change is a greater migration of nurses, right? So uh, a nurse is going to have the ability uh, to maneuver from state to state with very little restriction, uh, where right now, um, if you're in North Carolina and you want to go to work in California, you have to apply for a state licensure. It takes some period of time um, and there's a fair amount of work in it, right? There's a there's a fastly approaching um, uh, future state where, um, where a nurse in Carolina... Uh, will just be able to under the, under the compact agreement uh, just to be able to go to California and uh, and work right and so those things are proposed in legislature uh, and are moving fast um, I think the advent of things like telehealth and uh, and getting your care uh, maybe by somebody who's in in one part of the country uh, over another where where that skill set doesn't exist uh, we're gonna see I think those things continue to change Um on a, on a personal front, right, as we sort of look at patient populations, uh, what we are seeing is um, an incredible amount of, um, of opinion, of uh, pseudoscience, of, um, of uh, hyper-opinionated uh, uh, patient population uh, around what this COVID thing means and, and what it doesn't mean. And so um, I think nurses are um, caught in the middle there where we're trying to still decipher what does the science say in terms of how we treat uh, these patients. 
the nation's aging population will pose extraordinary challenges for society at large and for healthcare delivery organizations, nurses, social workers, and families. Diversity and inclusion have been top of mind for most industries in recent years, and healthcare is no exception. Let's hear what the IOM report predicts for that initiative and its continued impact on the workforce. Another great takeaway, I think, out of the IOM report, and uh, and there is loads of work uh, happening around the country uh, as I uh, visit uh, our hospital partners around the country uh, on the diversity and inclusion piece. And so, um, certainly, what we are seeing, I think, as the population ages, uh, is that uh, even people who might be um, a little less inclined to go get care uh, are just sort of forced to do it uh, due to the fact that they're in an aging body. Uh, right, the uh, baby boomers that are moving through into their uh, mid-60s and on, right? The, the, the need to consume more care is on the rise. Uh, so we're going to need a more diverse nurse population that can care for uh, various groups, right? And, uh, and so when we think about a diversity um, and inclusion model, uh, it's, it's as much um, as you can possibly think about, right? It's, it's not just a race and gender and creed, uh, but it's also all of the ways in which one expresses themselves that might be different from another, uh, um, and so, um, as uh, as everybody knows, right, the the, the conversations around uh, around how somebody defines themselves as different um, is as wide and as varied as um, as maybe um, we have seen it. Um, but uh, those folks are aging. Um, and those folks are moving into, uh, some of those folks are moving into a geriatric part of their life, right? Where, uh, where we define the young old um, as those who are um, less than 60 uh, to 65, right? The old, which are 65 to 75. Uh, and then you can get into the very old, uh, which gets up above 75 uh, and on up. Uh, and so those age groups are uh, rapidly increasing in population uh, and their um, need to consume healthcare is uh, massively on the rise. Um, and so um, hospitals are, are doing a, a decent job, I think, uh, as best they can uh, and making sure that they have people um, of sort of all diversity backgrounds. Uh, but uh, but clearly, the IOM report shows that over the next 10 years, uh, this issue is just going to continue to um, to mount. Um, and so, uh, you know, hospitals should stay the course, right? Lots of hospitals already have uh, defined positions. They have diversity departments. Uh, but uh, but I think we all have examples of where this has gone wrong, right? We can talk about uh, all sorts of cities where uh, diverse groups are clashing, um, uh, maybe sometimes not even um, as uh, formally as people think, uh, but, uh, but there's a fair amount of um, discord uh, amongst uh, various uh, diverse groups, and, um, and that shouldn't be in hospitals, right? And so um, I already see loads of leadership work happening here, uh, but uh, just know that work is not in vain, folks, because, um, you know, your continued efforts uh, to have people who understand the various parts of your community, uh, they're coming for care. Um, and so uh, they deserve for us to understand their needs uh, and be able to express um, uh, care uh, in the manner in which they need it. And so, uh, in a measured way, uh, we should be looking at, um, you know, do we have um, you know, if if you if it's available to you, a transgender nurse, right? Do we have nurses who uh, express their sexuality one way or another? Um, are those people represented? Because we have patients that do, uh, right? And so, is it okay that we don't have anyone on the team who understands that mentality? 
uh, right, uh, as, um, as one group or another, right, whether you're uh, heterosexual or homosexual or what, whatever your uh, particular class might be, uh, you come at the world from your lens. Uh, that guides the, uh, the organizational decisions that are made at a leadership level. Um, and so, um, what we're learning um, and have learned um, and deeply backed up in this IOM report is that uh, it's not okay to be making those decisions unilaterally anymore, um, right, as uh, right, if I take myself, for example, right, a uh, heterosexual male. Uh, right, that's a that's a per, that's a perspective, um, but it shouldn't be the only perspective, uh, right? And uh, and I don't have great insight uh, into some of the other um, uh, diverse um, personas that are out there, right? And so uh, it's important uh, that those things are included at the leadership table. Um, it's important that those people are included at the execution of care, uh, where the care happens, all right? And so certainly within the nursing workforce, uh, which is our model. Um, Right. It's, uh, it's important to have people who, uh, when we're having staff meetings and getting staff input on uh, how things are going at the bedside, um, that, the, that those perspectives um, are brought forward and, and, um, and valued and discussed. Um, and that's, uh, that's deeply backed up uh, in this report that we're going to see continued um, um, need uh, to have uh, a diverse opinionated group uh, in the room uh, so that their perspective can be heard and seen uh, and it can help guide uh, the um, um, you know, the future decisions that are made for healthcare organizations. The final takeaway we're going to touch on is shortage. This is a huge topic that we have covered separately in the series. The IOM report highlights this known issue and dives deeper into the impact of shortages and the connection it has to the loss of the baby boomer generation in the workforce. I think the other thing um, that the IOM report does a really nice job of pointing out is um, is the continued uh, shortage, and uh, I think that's going to translate into a couple of different ways. Uh, first off, uh, we're going to continue to see the baby boomers retire, um, and so in that, um, again, we have we have two big problems, right? That we have a loss of wisdom. Uh, we have too many nurses of tenure uh, who will be retiring, uh, and they are our guides, right? They are the ones who have dealt uh, dealt with it all and seen it all um, and are um, incredibly important in terms of uh, younger generations of nurses being able to run to them and ask questions. And so we're seeing those folks um, get out for sure, right? So the wisdom loss is a huge problem. Um, and so, you know, uh, you won't find a hospital out there uh, these days that's not trying to recruit nurses of tenure because uh, they understand that the, that their nursing um, groups internally are getting younger and really need the, those experienced guides. Um, the second thing it's creating is just out and out shortage of man of, uh, of uh, workforce and labor, right? The, the sheer manpower of it all. And so, um, you know, a along with um, folks uh, not having enough uh, wisdom necessarily to navigate all of the difficult and sticky situations uh, that is the transaction of healthcare, um, then we're also seeing where um, right, uh, too many times uh, hospital units are left short uh, of staff because they just simply don't have them. Um, and so, you know, the duty to, to the patient remains supreme and, uh, and they're trying real hard and using uh, a lot of different levers trying to get people to come uh, to work at their organization. Uh, 
but uh, but it's uh, sort of becoming rare diamonds, uh, right? To to uh, to think about nursing and uh, and uh, whether or not you have enough. And so, uh, you know, I see a lot of inventive strategies out there um, uh, from uh, uh, more incentive pay through um, you know completion bonuses for time worked and those sorts of things. Um, you know, helping pay for people's education and those sorts of things. But really, what we have um, is uh, competing hospitals um, all the way up to maybe even the state level uh, where states are competing, uh, trying to get nurses to come to their state to work to make sure that they have enough um, enough people to transact the care that uh, needs to happen in the communities. And, uh, you know, I would add to that that uh, that this is certainly reinforced, right? Your, your efforts there, I, I know that's what nurse leaders are feeling, uh, but but the efforts that are underway um, are appropriate. You should stay with it uh, because clearly, um, you know, the next 10 years are, aren't projected to get any better, right? Uh, between now and 2030, uh, where we're going to continue to see is a widening gap, right? And so, um, right, if I, if I was to take this to a macro model, uh, what we see a lot really is is uh, uh, what the advisory board uh, group calls um, the widening experience complexity gap. Uh, so um, uh, due to uh, reducing governmental payment uh, for conditions, uh, what hospitals are doing a nice job of is uh, getting patients that don't necessarily need to be in hospital for their care uh, out to standalone clinics, uh, getting care in their own homes, uh, in a home health model, uh, those sorts of things. So uh, what that has led to is that the, the patients that are in hospitals, that are, that are actually admitted inside of a hospital, uh, are sicker than they've ever been, uh, right? And uh, objectively, we measure those things on acuity indexes, um, and the acuity index is doing nothing but going straight up, um, right? And so what we are seeing is an uh, incredible increase uh, in the complexity of care uh, that a patient has while they're in the hospital. Uh, so this is happening, um, at the same time where the, the those with the most wisdom and experience are leaving uh, the profession uh, due to the silver tsunami and they're retiring uh, and getting out. Uh, and what that has left with is a, a more reduced workforce who has less experience for more complex patients. Um, and so really what I think hospitals are solving for as I look around the United States uh, is this experience complexity gap, right? How experienced the workforce can I get up to uh, for what are incredibly sick and complex patients? Um, and, uh, and that's not changing anytime soon because the population is aging uh, and therefore their need to consume care uh, is doing nothing but going up. There really is so much useful and predictive information from the 2020 IOM report. If you're interested in reading a more in-depth analysis, visit healthcarousel.com and click on the resource library. For now, our hope at The Workforce Solution is that you feel inspired to stay the course if your efforts align with this data or are empowered to implement change within your organization where you see a need. Our mission is to make healthcare work better and we will continue to do everything in our power to bring you the insights and actionable items that you need to bring that mission to life. The Workforce Solution is a storytelling series brought to you by Health Carousel, a world-class healthcare staffing and workforce solutions company designed to improve lives and make healthcare work better.